Welcome to Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that tackles some tough topics. Sometimes topics are tougher than others. Sometimes they're annoying topics. And I have to say that the topic that we're covering today has some personal meaning to me because of some choices that I made in my life. I'm talking about taking your husband's last name when you get married. And we happen to have an expert with us, Dr. Rachel Robet. Am I saying that correctly? Robnett. Robnett. Okay. All right. Great. I couldn't read my own handwriting. And That's it's okay. okay for me to call you Rachel? <laughs> and it's okay for me to call you Rachel? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. You came out with a study that I saw, and that's why I contacted you. Tell us about your background, and uh, then we're going to talk about your study. So what is it that you focus on in your professional life, and uh, what led you to doing this particular research? Yeah, so um, I received my Ph.D. as a developmental psychologist at UC Santa Cruz, and While there, I became very interested in how gender role norms play out within romantic relationships. And I remember being struck by the idea that there are so many traditions in heterosexual romantic relationships that are never questioned, not in the general public and not in the research literature. And so from there, I started conducting research trying to provide insight into these traditions, like the marital surname change, that we just don't seem to talk about all that much. And so that's kind of where I got the idea for this study, and um, it's something that I certainly enjoy talking about with all kinds of different people, because everybody seems to have a self-relevant story. Yes. I think it's one of those things where no matter how much we want to look at things on a global level, it impacts us individually in our daily lives. And so we all kind of relate to to it personally. But I must say, and I have to preface this by saying, in case you hadn't guessed, I'm older than dirt. And so (laughs) when I got married, you know, 150 years ago, um, I said no. I mean, it was very common for us to either hyphenize, hyphenize, hyphenate our last names or right. and create a new name, or uh, which proved to be very awkward for our children. But right. uh, it also was very much um, in, in keeping with what we talked about. But it kind of went the way of the dodo bird, didn't it? Yes, that absolutely. Kind of yeah. Why? <laughs> why do you think? Um, you mean why in terms of, like, why are people swinging back toward a more traditional direction? Yes, well, I'm assuming that that swing already occurred, um, but, you know, why? Why was that? I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I ended up, the only way I had my husband's name at all was I was married in a very small town, and when I went, I didn't right. take his last name. I already had some professional things published with my own name, and uh, right. quite frankly, his name was, wasn't as lyrical as my last name, and so <laughs> I just you know, it wasn't necessarily just a political statement to keep my own name. Sure. Um, but um, it, it, when I went to get my driver's license renewed, the lady at the DMV said, oh, you got married, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, what's your husband's name? And I told her, and when she handed me my driver's license renewal, it had right. Heather, Heather and his name. And I went, no, I'm not taking his name. And she said, you certainly are. <laughs> you know, you will find... 
you will find this interesting because I had a very similar experience at the DMV when I moved to Nevada not more than six years ago. Um, I uh, was interacting with the person at the DMV. She asked if I was married. I said yes, and she was really resistant to my saying, no, I didn't take his last name. Um, I have my own. So times have not perhaps changed quite as much as one would think. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's kind of frightening to me. I mean, yep. you know, uh, for those of us who, you know, were out marching for feminism and everything, I mean, clearly things have changed and clearly there was right. an impact of all that. But yet on some of, these, some of these smaller personal things, doesn't seem to me that it's changed all that much. Um, oh, sure. I mean, after mm-hmm. after I published this particular study, I had a number of young women here at UNLV email me to say that they had not been accepted by their partner's families because they decided to keep their own last name after getting married, right? And these are young women who are, you know, in their 20s, um, going to school, going to college, and still encountering a lot of these traditional ideals. Isn't that weird? Because I, yeah. when I had my first child, well, my second child, actually, um, my son, I didn't feel as strongly about uh, having my name. It was okay for me, you know, that he had his father's name, kind of a matrilinear sure. line, and the patrilinear sure. line was fine with me, and kind of like the Greenlanders, you know. Um, yes. If you've ever studied them, you know, yeah, that, that always made sense to me. But when I had yeah. my daughter, my second child, who's now an adult, um, I named her with my name, and we kind of used mm-hmm. it as a middle name. I kind of used it as a middle name. And I remember in the hospital, my husband was not happy about that. And he right. said, well, that's not really a middle name. And I said, well, you know, that's all right in my way of thinking. And he kept arguing about it. Finally, I just said, look, I'm the one that they hand the paper to, and I'm the one who writes down the name. So it's going to be this name, you know? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Mean, I'm telling you right now, it's my choice, and this is the name. And then uh, my father-in-law owned a print shop, and he was going to print the birth announcements. And he, my husband did. I said, if you really want to give her a different middle name, a more common middle name, do it. So he did. So my daughter had four <gasps> names. And when, oh my my father-in-law, when my father-in-law went to print the birth announcements, he was very concerned, and there was much buzz because – he didn't think all of those names would fit on the announcement. And I said, well, oh. you know, I, I see, I, you know, it, there must be a way because I would sure hate to leave off your last name. <laughs> and he made a mistake somehow. <laughs> and oh, and wow. was, she ended up changing her last name to my name anyway. So, you know, go figure. But it, it did cause a lot of interfamily strife. My family didn't really care. Um, right. But it caused a lot of problems with my ex-husband, and it caused a lot of problems with his family. Um, so telling me that that still happens now, huh? Oh, yeah, it, it it absolutely still happens. I encounter a lot of people who have anecdotes that um, are pretty consistent with your own. And I, I think that individual men are under a lot of pressure to go with tradition. Um, and I think that the rest of society also just goes along with tradition because it seems nice on the surface. We associate it with this romantic ideal. But when you really investigate it, it's kind of unfair. Yeah, very unfair. I mean, 
you you take somebody and what, what you know I married young I was uh, uh, 20 but you know you take somebody who's had that name for their whole lives and now all of a sudden right. with the stroke of a pen you're supposed to have a different name and especially right. I mean my my name I always thought had a ring to it Heather Stark that's my name always has been uh, and my husband's name was very awkward and multisyllabic and I just I just didn't like the feel of it on my tongue you know I mean politics oh, aside. Yeah. And you tell somebody, okay, now at 6 o'clock tonight, your name will change. I mean, that's kind of weird. Right. It is. And there's, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of research, not only in psychology, which is my field of study, but also in linguistics, sociology, indicating that names are identity. It's not just something on a piece of paper. It is uh, a lot of personal meaning is tied up in your name, uh, connections to people who have come before you. And so it, it always has been puzzling to me that we always go along with this tradition of changing the name after marriage when it's so central to who we are. Well, in your research, did you discover why it's been tradition? It, it, does it go back to yeah. the ownership thing? What, yeah, so... I mean, without a doubt, that's the origin of the tradition. So uh, historically, women were viewed as property to be transferred from their father to their husband. And so that involved a name change. And so already, like the historical roots of the tradition are problematic. Um, Now, the argument nowadays is often that women are no longer property. They can do what they want. They have the option of retaining their own name after marriage. And so haven't we moved beyond all of that? And I would argue on the basis of my research that we have not moved beyond all of that because there are a number of stereotypes about women who keep their last name after marriage and men who keep their last name after marriage. And these traditions or these stereotypes help to keep the tradition in place. Um, For instance, in my study, what we demonstrated was that men whose wives keep their own name after marriage, they tend to be perceived as lower in power within the relationship, meaning that if I keep my own last name after I get married, people are oftentimes going to stereotype my husband as holding less power in the relationship. We know that men are under a tremendous amount of pressure to be perceived as powerful and as in control. And so the fact that those stereotypes still exist means that we haven't actually come nearly as far as we would like to think. Um, I, I really, based on this research, based on a couple of my other studies, I think that these stereotypes continue to pervade society. Huh. Well, doesn't it, okay, all right. So if a woman chooses to keep her own name, then a man's peers tend to very subtly, and I'm sure maybe subconsciously, assume that yeah. he just really doesn't have a whole lot of power in that relationship. That might explain a lot of things about why um, there's such resistance by some husbands um, against their wife having, um, you know, having, keep maintaining right. their own names. Uh, you know, it's, it could be that it just, you know, it's a, it's a threat to them. But are they conscious of this? In your study, did you find out that they were conscious of this or it's just something that happens around them? The yeah, there's there's no doubt that some men and women are conscious of this because they were telling us explicitly um, 
you know, if we were to violate this tradition, I'm afraid that my husband would feel emasculated or men would tell us, um, you know, if I were in that position, if my wife decided to keep her own last name, I would feel kind of like it was a blow to my ego, um, kind of like I don't have as much power in the relationship as I thought. And this fits really well with some prior work showing that women um, felt pressured by their husbands to change their last name after getting married. So there's a couple of different studies that have been conducted in the U.S. and in the U.K. And women were asked, well, why did you go with the tradition? Why did you take your husband's last name? And women have a variety of reasons. Uh, but one of the reasons that seemed to keep coming up was that their husband was either subtly or explicitly pressuring them and I don't think this is because the husbands are terrible people or anything like that. I think it's because they, at some level, are aware of these stereotypes about power and masculinity and name-changing in our society. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I can see that. I mean, I got a lot of power or a lot of blowback from my husband for keeping my own name. And right. one, of my little funny, one of my funny little anecdotes is because I had my own bank account, but we banked at the same institution. And so we also had a joint account. And so for a long time, uh, the whole time I was married, I had to file my taxes under my name and then AKA, you know, my, uh -huh. you know with, his, with his surname. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, supposedly the IRS was going to come after me. But then right. at, one point, at one point, the credit union that we ba banked with, we had these three different accounts, the joint bank account and then one for me and, and one in his name. And all of a sudden, the bank statement, that's when the banks started, you know, still sent out statements. The statement came, and they changed my name on my account to his name. So I Oh, my goodness. Said, yeah, and I said, no, that's no. <laughs> no, that's not the way it's going to nope. be. And, yeah, and wow. they and the, they said they'd change it. And the next month. Our statements came, and they had changed his name to my last name, and he blew a gasket. Oh, my goodness. So it, was, it was funny when they changed my name to his last name, but when they changed mm -hmm. his last name to my last name, that was an affront against nature. And, <laughs> and yes, really that is angry. fascinating. He was really angry about it. And, and, of course, I had a great fun, which may explain why he's my ex-husband. I had great fun saying, yeah, but it's not only a name, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, I was not gracious about it because I found it wildly amazing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it was funny because when I wanted to retain my name, I was just being silly and arbitrary. And, right. You know, but when, when it was his name that was suddenly changed, Whoa! This was this was this was crime. This is criminal. You know, I mean, alert, oh yeah, the authority because there's something yeah, wrong here. Yeah, huge, huge double standard, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's kind of interesting. One of the things that I found fascinating about your study is that you really did look at it from the man's perspective, not just the women's perspective. I think I've seen research before about why women do or don't, and you know what it means right. for them. But I haven't hadn't seen a lot from the man's perspective. Why did you choose to take that approach? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question, and in some of my prior research, I was mainly looking at it from the woman's perspective, and it became pretty clear to me that these are decisions that are not being made in a vacuum, right? So it's not as though the woman is just sitting there deciding, oh, should I keep my name or should I change it, and it's all up to her. Um, 
these are decisions that are oftentimes made after lots of interaction with the husband and maybe lots of interaction with friends and family members. And so I felt like it was really critical to capture the husband's perspective. Um, and again, there was this research showing that husbands were pressuring their wives to change their surnames. And to me, it seemed like we've got to understand what's going on here. We've got to understand what's driving these men to pressure their wives over something that maybe shouldn't be such a big deal. Yeah. Why is it a big deal? I mean, you said that men seem to feel uh, or they are perceived as having a little less clout, less power in a relationship right. if their wife doesn't do this particular subservient thing. Let's, let's call it that. Right. I'll call it that. Right. Um, are there other detrimental effects that you found uh, in the perceptions of men whose wives uh, were, were stubborn like me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so in addition to being perceived as having less power in the relationship, they are viewed as being higher in kind of nurturant traits, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? So nurturant traits can be things like caring, kindness, um, but on the other hand, these nurturant traits are also associated with weakness, so um, kind of multifaceted there. And then these men are also viewed as lower in traits associated with, like, stereotypical masculinity, like aggression, assertiveness, things of that nature. And so we have this whole cluster of attributes suggesting that men are perceived as lower in power and maybe a little bit more stereotypically feminine when their wives retain their surnames after marriage. And um, I would say potentially these stereotypes exist in part because of the roots of the tradition. In other words, um, this is all originating from a time when women are viewed as property, and we like to think that we've moved beyond that, but I don't think that we have, and these stereotypes are an indication that some vestiges of that practice still remain today. Yeah, I believe that. How, tell me some of the, the um, demographics in your survey. How many men did you survey? How many women did you survey? Or was it just men? Yeah, we, so we had a sample of 300, a total sample of 355 participants. Um, it was actually two-thirds mm -hmm. women, one-third men. Uh, the interesting thing about this study is that we uh, sampled people in the United States as well as the United Kingdom and found a lot of consistency across the findings, meaning that these stereotypes and patterns aren't just specific to the U.S. We also see them in other contexts. And mm -hmm. um, two of the samples were college students, you know, 19, 20 years old. But then our sample in the U.K. was a sample of adults who were living in the community. So many of them were married, and there was still tremendous consistency across the findings. So basically across the U.S. and the U.K., we're seeing people holding these power-related stereotypes. And then across unmarried undergraduates who are 19, 20 years old, as well as people from the community who are married in their 30s, 40s, still a lot of consistency, meaning that these stereotypes are really pervasive. Wow. Um, do what about the children of women who uh, did you learn anything about that? Yeah, I, I, the reason I'm saying that is because at one point um, my daughter told me that it was really awkward that I didn't have her dad's name when she was in school, and I went, ah. huh, okay. So instead of showing a, a wonderful role model for my daughter, I made her life tougher. Well, I guess that just kind of goes, <laughs> 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 that kind of goes to motherhood. 
<laughs> um, I, you know, I always say you may as well, as a mother, you may as well just be absolutely blatant about doing whatever the heck you want, because in that way you'll save your children all sorts of money on psychologists trying to figure out why they <laughs> didn't like you. They of course. Right yeah. Now. I because, love it. Yeah, I love because, it. Because she always did everything the way she wanted, not the way I wanted. Okay. See, I see. <laughs> um, <laughs> now you don't have to try and figure it out, you know, right up front. Um, her point was interesting. Um, I never got that. I mean, I never picked that up at all. I was kind of surprised when she said that um, because I never got any funny looks from any of her peers. As a matter of fact, a couple of her, her peers had mothers who did the same thing that I did. Um, so that kind okay. of surprised me. So did you mm-hmm. learn anything about that, about the children of? Right. Good question. So in this study, no, but I can tell you two pieces of information from some other research I've conducted. So first, um, today's young people, so today's 19, 20-year-olds, are definitely a little bit resistant to the idea of, say, hyphenated surnames. They're resisting non-traditional naming practices. Um, And the mentality that they have is that these are more complex naming practices. It makes things, everything more complicated. Why don't we just do something simple, like go with tradition? So I'm I'm pretty clearly seeing some backlash. Um, And in addition, when I ask women why they adopted their husband's surnames, one of the most consistent responses I get from them is that they want the family to be united under the same surname and that that's really critical. Um, They will say things like, that's what makes us a family, or things are more simple that way. So in short, I I don't have data directly from kids of parents with non-traditional surnames, but it does seem like non-traditional surnames are perceived as maybe overly complex by some of today's young people. And then also a lot of women say, yeah, everybody needs to have the same last name. Uh, That just makes life easier and it's important for family unity. And yet, even with consistency, I would think then that would mean that everybody would keep the woman's name because there's never any question who's the mother of a child. You know, I mean, right. it just isn't. And then that's caused all sorts of bugaboos throughout the centuries um, and yep. all sorts of, you know, uh, rather uh, draconian uh, consequences for women because we can't prove that, you know. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, nobody's unsure of who is a mother uh, of, a, of, right. a, of a child. Um, so some of those arguments I understand, but the logic of then making it the father takes me back to because I own her. You know, because she's right. my property. Um, just yeah, like I, just put I, I my, think my brand on the cow and you know carve my initials under the table. You know, I mean that that's what I come back to, and it strikes me that you know, I mean, does nobody else see that? I mean, yeah, <laughs> am I the lone? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and well, you know, <laughs> I send me a relief drop anytime now. <laughs> <laughs> Help sustain this old lady from her 1970s beliefs there, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of odd, don't you think? Yeah, you know it is puzzling, and this this is actually a broader pattern that has puzzled a lot of researchers in the field of gender studies is this idea of why norms related to marriage and related to dating relationships why haven't they changed as quickly as other norms have changed? 
And the converging opinion is that it's because these traditions are cloaked in romance. The idea is that ah. they're nice, they're sweet, um, they indicate love and devotion. And so on the surface, many of these traditions seem really, really nice and positive and warm and fuzzy. And um, it, it does take a little bit of digging to get beyond that facade and understand that there are problematic norms underlying a lot of these traditions. Huh. Well, and it sounds to me kind of like that whole, you know, changing your surname has got the same PR firm to work for, for that philosophy as the KO people did. You know, I mean, right. anybody would eat kale. It tastes like silage, right. and, you know, and there's plenty of vegetables out there that are much more nutritious and better for right. you and everything else. But somehow or other, the PR firm got hold of kale, and now everybody thinks kale is, you know, you're, you're you know, tasting God's yep. lips if you eat kale. And it sounds yep. like this whole... Uh, the surname thing, maybe they, they hired the same PR firm. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's definitely a good analogy in the sense that there's all kinds of um, buzz and tradition and rhetoric surrounding the naming practices. Like I, I'm thinking back to weddings that I've recently been involved with, and there's all kinds of excitement about becoming Mrs. His Last Name. Um, that's oftentimes a major point of discussion when like women are coming together at the bridal shower or the bachelorette party. So it's, it's definitely, there's a lot, there's a lot tied up in this. It is not as simple as just a quick name change. I think that the roots go deeper than that. Well, I, mean, I can understand if you are a, a woman whose last name, you know, I mean, if you're Hilda Hoof and Booker Hook and Zucker, and you want to take it to Hilda Jones, it makes perfect sense to me, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, tradition be damned, you know, it still makes perfect sense. But Agreed. You, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't, as you've already pointed out, it has nothing to do really with logic, does it? It has to do with those ancient traditions. And It does, um, okay, it does. So, yeah. What else did you learn in your study um, or, or in the work that you're doing now? It sounds like you're continuing uh, uh, to learn more about these kinds of traditions. Yeah. So I, I would say another really important take-home message from our study is that not everybody holds these stereotypes to the same degree. So again, what we found was that men are generally perceived as holding less power in the relationship when their wives keep their own last name after marriage. And that was a, a fairly consistent trend across our samples. But there were some people who are really, really high in um, antagonistic attitudes toward women, and they seem to be the ones who held these stereotypes most strongly. So what this means is that there are probably some people out there in society who are perfectly fine with it if a woman keeps her last name after marriage, um, but there are other people who are going to engage in pretty serious backlash, and those people tend to generally have attitudes that derogate women. Huh. Interesting. Um, so, were you? Did you, what did you learn about the men who took your study? Did you learn what, yeah. anything about them? Um, so, the men in our sample were uh, typically pretty traditional survey participants, and I want to emphasize that 
our research design was such that people were rating hypothetical scenarios, right? So everybody in mm -hmm. our study would be presented with a scenario either depicting a man whose wife kept her last name or changed her last name. And then participants rated those scenarios, and that's how we got information about how men are perceived on the basis of the wife's surname change. So as far as the mm -hmm. attributes of the men in our study, um, they were you know, from the U.S. and from the U.K., uh, not particularly ethnically diverse, um, mostly middle-class men. Those are their general demographics. Okay. Did you find any or did you not have enough data to decide whether or not these attitudes remain the same across different ethnicities? So in this study, we did run a couple of basic analyses and did not find ethnic differences, and that is consistent with some of our prior research. Um, it, it seems like your gender-related attitudes, that seems to govern. Like, are you more traditional about gender? Are you less traditional about gender? That seems to govern how you respond to people who violate the surname tradition um, to the extent that these gender-related ideologies even trump things like your own gender, your ethnicity, your age, your religious background, your political affiliation. Um, in other words, it seems like gender ideology is what's driving the effect. Hmm. <laughs> um, okay, that's kind of, um, I would like to say that's unexpected to me, but you know, mm -hmm. it's not. It really, it really isn't. Were you surprised by your findings? Um, yeah, you know, my big surprise with all of this research that I've done on marriage traditions is actually how consistent it is with my expectations. Um, if you do much research at all, you know that usually some of your hypotheses are confirmed and some of them are not confirmed, and that's just the way it goes. With this, um, the findings came out incredibly cleanly, and they came out consistently across you know, the multiple samples in the U.S. and the U.K. with the college students and the people who are a little bit older living in the community. So the major surprise was that everything worked out exactly as expected and that these stereotypes came through across all of the different groups of people we studied. Of the women who took your survey, um, yes. were, did, did, did their findings, the findings, did they answer the questions considerably differently from the way the men did, or was it all across the board and, and consistent with the way men answered? It was very consistent with how men answered. That's another, I guess I would say that that is maybe a little bit of a surprise, is that the women aren't really, um, they, they aren't really more flexible than the men. They're actually pretty traditional as well. Hmm. <laughs> um, what was the age range of your, I mean, obviously, you know, especially if you're doing this in a university setting, many of your, um, many of the, the, the pool that you draw from are college-age students. Um, yeah. Is that what you, what you found with your study, or was it pretty across the board? Yeah, so for the two uh, samples that were college students, the average age was about 19 and a half, but our sample from the UK, which was drawn from the community, had an average age of 35. Okay, so those folks were older. Um, yes. And so, yeah, yeah. So that says, okay, it's not just young people. But even if it were just young people, I would have expected it to be different. We always yes. think that young people are more modern and more with it and more willing to accept new things. But you know what? I don't think they necessarily are. 
No, you know, I, as an aside, I did a little bit of research looking at the marriage proposal tradition at UC Santa Cruz just in 2013, so relatively recent, and 100% of these UC Santa Cruz undergraduates wanted a traditional marriage proposal. Um, and this is, one, uh, obviously, it's one of the most liberal, progressive campuses in the United States, and nonetheless, 100% of them wanted to, to, to adhere to, tra to tradition, and that's coming through in basically all of my studies with college samples. They are not really pushing back against some of these marriage traditions. Oh, my God, you're making my old hippie soul cringe. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Mm, it's really incredible. It. Yeah. So um, are there any findings that you got from the study that I haven't asked you about? Because I would love to know more about the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, I haven't had the benefit of reading the study, which is unfortunate. I would have really enjoyed reading it beforehand. But um, what, what other things did you find that uh, we could talk about here? You know, we, we've honestly covered the big ones. We've talked about the stereotypes that were held, particularly related, related to the men's power in the relationship. And then we've talked about the fact that not everybody held these stereotypes to the same degree. It seemed like it was especially common for people who have very uh, derogatory attitudes toward women to think that men hold less power in the relationship when the woman keeps her own last name. Those were, those were honestly the major take-homes. Wow. Um, I was re I'm, I'm, this is coming out of, you know, a, a wild place, but somehow in my mind it's, it's connected. Have you read about the, the robots and the dolls? They're starting um, houses of prostitution using robots and dolls now? Yes. Did you read about that? I have that? heard of this. Yes. 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 Which brings, you know, I mean, I, you know, what somebody does in the privacy with their own doll, I don't, I don't care about. Just don't <laughs> tell me about it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, except it makes me wonder, especially for younger people who aren't fully cooked yet, because um, let's face it, most of us aren't fully cooked until we're hitting about 30. Um, oh, sure. How, how that impacts how they perceive a human partner. Right. In, in a relationship. And when you're talking about, you know, men who uh, tended to be more aggressive in your study, having more traditional views, somehow or other that came into my mind. Now, am I just on crack here or does that make some, no. does that connection? Okay. <laughs> okay. No, it is, it's, it's really, it's concerning. It is, it's concerning from that standpoint. Um, you know, there, there's a wide literature showing that it's incredibly common for both women and men to sexually objectify women, right? And in this case, with these robots, uh, women are turned into objects in a literal sense. And so I think it's really concerning. And it's right, right. They are. You can order yeah. one, you know. And, yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, I mean, hopefully Macy's isn't going to start carrying them anytime soon. But, you right. know, I, right. You know, they're they're a product. They're an item. They're a thing. Yeah. Um, and yep. it seems to me that, you know, and marriage is kind of the culmination of relationships. You know, or at least that's right. how we perceive it. And if we, I don't know, it just seems, I don't know, the ideas for future research. Find all these people that are are, <laughs> are finding the dolls and the robots and do a longitudinal study. You know, fifteen yes. years later with their spouses or something and. Uh, it, it just strikes me as odd. I mean, we think that we've progressed so far, and yet, I don't know. I think we're 
taken steps back, but maybe that's just because I've rolled down the hill firmly into old fartdom. I don't know. <laughs> but no, yeah, I no, I don't. I'm I'm actually I'm kind of of the same mindset. I think that there's a lot of feminist backlash in today's young people, and the idea is that we've made it. We're fine. There aren't gender-related problems anymore, so why do we keep talking about this stuff? But if we stop talking about it, then we see problems continue to pervade our society. And so I, too, am concerned that maybe we're actually backsliding a little bit. Well, and, you know, when you say, when, you know, young, I hear young women say, well, we don't really need it anymore. I think, well, yeah, you can right. go be a firefighter, you know, uh, you right. can go get pretty much any job you want. But what if you wanted to be a homemaker? Is that an option that's still open for you? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not yeah. that I think there are masses of women who want to be homemakers, but I think there are some, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and. And I hear young men, basically, you know, if a woman isn't employed, even with children, it's like, get mm-hmm. off your butt and get a job. Uh, yep. But then at the same time, I also see the women, even women of wealth, who brag that they're doing everything 50-50 because they right. have a nanny. and they have the, they, Right. What happens when the nanny is sick? Who's the one that right. hires the nanny? Who's the one that calls up and schedules the housekeeper? It's still the woman. Absolutely. She's not having to do that gut work herself. Right. It's still her responsibility in these relationships. I think that we've confused working in fields that were traditionally men with actually being um, equal. I think we've confused them. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and it sounds to me like it's the same kind of thing when we're talking about these marriage traditions. We've we've confused sure. these traditions that are founded on on really oppressive principles and turned them somehow or other with the KLPR firm into right. expressions of uh, solidarity. Um, right. You know, are you and I the only two people in the world that are thinking that? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Surely other people are seeing connections, aren't they? Um, yeah. And, and, what, and what does that mean for your future research? Yeah, I mean, for from my standpoint, I think it's really important to continue critiquing societal norms that don't usually receive a lot of attention. And I will say that this is a norm, like the marital surname norm, that is going to vary a lot depending on where you are sampling people. So in general, yes, a lot of people still adhere to tradition. But for instance, when I think about my own department here at UNLV, a lot of women have made non-traditional surname choices, and it's not viewed as puzzling or confusing or odd when women push back against the tradition. So I do think that there are these pockets of resistance, so to speak. It's just not the norm. Well, yeah, and let's face it. I mean, you know, in academia, there there is a reason it's called the ivory tower. I mean, it's it's right, not exactly right. main, mainstream middle America. Um, no, so certainly not. You know, I mean, let's be honest here. Okay, um, so I think that, yeah, and I and quite frankly, that's one of the problems that I see with uh, you know a lot of academic studies is because the pool that you can draw from is right there in academia. But yep. it's a very 
uh, you know, it's not the typical, not the typical pool. So um, when you say right. you, 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 you have the second part of your study from, you know, uh, more of a middle class, everyday mm-hmm. kind of folks in, in the United Kingdom, I think, yay, okay, now I feel yes. like, you know, your findings are, are have some real um, uh, merits for when we discuss, you know, everyday folks. Um, Agreed. So, Agreed. Yeah, uh, but that's just one of the things, you know. I mean, that's just what research deals with. Um, yep. What's down the road? You're, you're talking about doing some other research into these kinds of traditional things. What are you looking at right now, and what are you looking at down the road? Yeah, research? so yeah, so currently I, I actually have two things that are in play. Uh, first, one of my graduate students, Carrie Underwood, is working on a study looking at naming practices within same-sex relationships. The Carrie Underwood? I mean, come on. I, yeah. <laughs> I wish that it were. I wish that it were. Not the famous singer. Um, this is a common point of confusion. And so yeah. mm-hmm. this so this student is looking at naming practices within same-sex relationships, and the idea here is twofold. Uh, first, people in same-sex relationships just have not received enough attention in the psychological research literature, and so we need to start understanding the norms and traditions that characterize their relationships. Second, mm-hmm. um, based on some of my previous research, we have this suspicion that naming practices are tied up with power dynamics, but it's hard to separate out those power dynamics from just general gendered power dynamics that pervade our society. And so we're curious about whether in same-sex relationships, if the partner who holds more power in the relationship is also the one whose name gets adopted. Oh, that's so interesting. That's, and, and I wasn't. I hadn't thought of that. Is it customary? Is it common for same-sex uh, couples to change names? I just kind of assumed that they kept their own names, but then I assumed that in heterosexual relationships too. Um, yeah, it's so. So it's it, it's a norm that's actually in flux. So if you had asked people in same-sex relationships 20 years ago, um, is a name change on your radar? Most of them would have said no, absolutely not. So that's a heterosexual tradition. We resist that. And by the way, we don't even have the legal right to marriage. So this is a ridiculous question. Um, but our current sample is actually kind of mixed. There are actually some individuals who say, yeah, we really do want to have a, a name change in the relationship. Uh, this is really important to us. We want to be united under the same name, whereas other people are still pretty resistant to the tradition. Huh. You know, in my daughter's relationship, she, she married uh, a couple of years ago, and she said that they were going to construct a whole separate name for their yes. family for the, as yes. their surname. Um, to my knowledge, they haven't done it yet. They're still using their own names, uh, each of them. Okay. And I don't know whether they will have kids or whether that will change, you know, their thinking on this, but I'm wondering if that, and I'm thinking that sounds perfect, except, um, you know, I mean, it might be really hard for genealogists down the road, you know, <laughs> sure. <laughs> to, to figure out who belongs to whom. Um, no doubt. But are you, yeah. Did Did you ask any questions about that? About the construction yeah. of a separate name? Okay. What did you find? Yep. What, well, first of all, what yeah. questions did you ask? How yeah. Did you ask so uh, this. 
Yeah, so this was largely just open-ended, broad-based questions because we weren't even sure what types of questions to ask given the lack of research in this area. And so um, a number of participants who were interested in doing some type of a name change, we followed up and said, well, what, what do you want to do? How are you going to navigate that? Some of them said, oh, uh, you know, one person in the relationship will take the other person's name. But we also had a group of participants who described exactly what you just explained with your daughter. Um, they want to create a new name that has personal meaning for the two of them instead of one person adopting the other. Yeah, yeah. But that's tough. And, and you know, going back to my era where a lot of women took their husband's name but hyphenated it. You know, I'm Susie right, Smith right. and I'm Mary, you know, Bill Jones, so I'm going to be Susie Smith hyphen Jones. Well, right. that's fine until it came time to have the kids who was now, you know, um, you know, Sarah Jean Smith Jones, you know, I mean, it was just like, whoa, awkward. And totally. uh, so I think that kind of petered out, didn't it, so to speak? Yep. Um, or did, did you see that as an option among some of you, the people that you questioned? Uh, you know, a couple, but it's definitely not considered to be as viable op an option as maybe it would have been some time ago. Um, so um, if there are people who will just keep the same name, you know, the same um, uh, surname and, as they were right. born with when they get married, um, I would have thought that we would have seen enough over the years where we would know whether or not that causes any complications. Did you happen to question or did you find any uh, situations or scenarios where changing or keeping the, the surname created any difficulties, either for the, the, the couple themselves or for the, the offspring? So you're asking if I'm a woman, I keep my own last name, does that create any challenges down the line? Yes. Did you were you able to investigate anything like that, or are you in the process no, of that? No. So I I do not have data on that. Um, and actually, that would be an interesting idea for future research because, to my knowledge, there isn't any research looking at that question. Um, there is a little bit of work looking at the converse. So specifically, what about women who end up taking their partner's name? Do they end up regretting it? And some of them do. Um, specifically for the reasons that we've discussed already related to identity. This notion that somehow I traded a piece of my identity, took on my husband's surname, and now I miss that aspect of me. Yes. I think that's how I felt. I felt that yep. this, this is my name. This is who I've always been. And you can make the argument, and in fact my generation of women did make the argument that well, it's just a name. It's your another man's name. It's your father's name, you know, rather than right. your husband's name. So it's still, right. you know, potato, potato. Um, sure. Except that's the one I've had since birth. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very. I find these very interesting questions. Tell me what else is. And I, I've asked this question a couple times, but I, what's down the road? What other research are you going to be uh, getting into as you progress in your career coming up? Yeah. So the other study that's relevant that I have in the development phase right now is we would really like to sample middle school students to see what understanding they have of different marriage-related traditions, and. Anecdotally, I can tell you that we've received some very interesting uh, preliminary data. 
for instance, um, there was one participant in our pilot research whose parents had, in fact, a non-traditional naming arrangement. But this kid, who was about 12 years old, still ardently believed that the right thing to do was for the woman to adopt her husband's surname, even though his own parents had made this non-traditional choice. He was thinking that tradition was the way to go. So it seems like some of these norms are really taking root early in life, maybe even before kids are in their own romantic relationships. Huh. Uh, again, the KLPR firm, or is there something right. innate about having those feelings? You know, uh, right. it's an interesting question, isn't it? No, it's really, um, it's really other, incredible. Yeah. The other thing that I would love to, if I, you know, if you're looking for ideas, um, the other thing yes. I would love to survey the children of women who kept their own surname yep. and, and see if, in fact, there really are um, implications for those children, because let's let's face sure. it, nobody wants everything to be status quo as much as children. You know, they want everything to be yep. exactly as it is for everybody else. Um, yep. So it wouldn't surprise me, but also the long term. You know, I mean, the, the long term effects of some of these things. Uh, like, what you know, what do older women think? What do older women yep. think about keeping their own names or not keeping their own names? And you know, there, geez, so many questions. So many questions. Oh, yeah. This top. Yeah. So that's, that's astounding. I didn't ask you why, I don't think I asked you anyway, why you initially chose to have an interest in this, in this particular arena. Was there something in, in your life that uh, created a curiosity about this? No, you know, honestly, the idea came to me uh, back when I was a graduate student, and I was, honestly, I remember the moment it came to me, I was walking down the street, and it struck me that many of these traditions are not studied ever, and I was thinking of it mainly from the standpoint of the marriage proposal. Why does the man always propose? Why don't we ever think about doing this tradition differently? And from there, I thought, well, what about all of these other romantic relationship traditions and chivalry? And I, I looked through the research and didn't see much, and I was really astounded that I got to this point in my life where I was this gender scholar. I was in my 20s, and I had never considered alternate arrangements myself. And so that really catalyzed me because I realized we needed to start having these conversations a little bit more than what we're currently having. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to me it would be interesting to, to kind of track that decision through a life uh, you know, uh, uh, a life uh, experience, um, because yeah. certainly, you know, we've been having this discussion, not necessarily in the same way, but we've been having this discussion for several decades now. Um, yes. You know, w some women have changed and kept their names and all that other stuff. Some women have it. It would be interesting, I would think, to go through and see, you know, what were the advantages, what were the disadvantages, what are the regrets of women who made the change. The other thing is, that, you know, I just if you ever are short of ideas for research projects, give me a call. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm, always, <laughs> I'm curious, you know, inquiring. I love it. Once and um, but the other thing, too, is uh, does it change? Do, do women who keep their surnames end up divorced more? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, and if so... You know, obviously, there's not necessarily causality there, but you know, it could be you know, uh, you know, exploring mm -hmm. the commonalities between the divorce and the keeping the name. You know, um, yeah, that would that would, that would be interesting, I think. 
Yeah. Well, you are now at what university? I know you told me. And yeah, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay, in Las Vegas, of all places, to do this kind of research. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, so what, as, as I said, you know, down the road, you're looking at this, the next study, and it's going to be how soon, do you think? Oh, you know, the study that I mentioned earlier looking at the naming practices in same-sex relationships, that's actually mm-hmm. under review right now. So hopefully soon. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, because that that's an important one, too, because I think, I don't know, it seems to me that, you know, there are differences in, in relationships. It's fascinating to me that same-sex um, uh, couples are coming to this whole business of marriage uh, at, at this stage in life when it seems to me a lot of heterosexuals are rejecting it. Um, right. It's kind of like, <laughs> like, really, you know, you think you're a little late to the party because, you know, there might right, be a right. reason people are jumping off this bus. Um, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it seems to me there might be a lot to be learned from that different perspective over the heterosexual yes. perspective that we've seen for thousands of years. Um, yes, it would, it I would, think so. Yeah, kind of a, a new take on things. Um, okay, so when you do your next study, um, where are you going to go for your, your sample population? To the university, or are you going to go outside of that? No, you know, for the reasons we uh, mentioned related to generalizability, I think that we really need to extend beyond just the standard university sample um, because it, it is the ivory tower, and we do have concerns within the field of psychology about whether our research really does pertain to people who are outside of this ivory tower. So we, we've got to go a little bit broader than what we've been doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think that's a wise approach to it. And, uh, you know, it seems so often that, you know, that whole middle America thing, um, you know, yep. there's, a, there's a reason that, you know, all of these places operate the way they do, uh, and it's different sometimes from the ivory tower or the big cities or whatever. And it's, I yep. think, one of, my, one of my things is that I think we need to do more out in that whole middle America thing. Um, so great. Well, I have really enjoyed talking with you and, um, you know, sorry to bore you with all the personal experiences, but it just kind of rang a bell with me. You said that often, oftentimes people will, uh, share their personal stories when it comes to this issue. What are some of the personal stories you've heard from folks about the change in surnames? Uh, so the most poignant stories are the ones where women were pressured by either their partner or their partner's family to change their surname. And um, I, I say that they're poignant because sometimes I have young women coming to me, um, you know, sending me an email or coming to me in person with tears in their eyes saying that this tradition has had a very negative impact on their own lives. And I get that again and again, not only from students, not only from people in the community, but also from um, people who I encounter professionally. So I, th- those really stick with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that must be, it, it's a very personal thing for a woman. And it yeah. always has amazed me how cavalier people are. I mean, from the school girls who are, Writing, you know, the names of the boyfriends with their names. Right. Uh, all the, right. You know, all the, all the way up to the professional women who just 
toss it away and, oh, no, my name is such and such now, you know. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, it was always so much more personal to me. My name was my name. It was like a part of me. And, yep. yeah, it was, probably, it was my dad's name, but I had a nice dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like I wanted to purge myself of his, you know, any, any of his influence in my life. He was, in the, he was a great guy. Right. And he was probably the first feminist I ever knew. Um, right. But he probably would, be, probably would be shocked to hear me say that. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that we, it behooves us. Um, to look at some of these reasons why, to look at some of the the thinking behind what we're doing. So I applaud you for doing that research and for learning more about it. So thank you so much uh, for being with us. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Any questions that I might have neglected to ask you that you think would be important to share before we wrap it up here? Um, you know, not at this point. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you as well. It's obviously an important topic for me, and I, I enjoy having these conversations. Yeah. Well, they're conversations I think we need to have, no matter how you re- review or regard a change in, in surname. I think it's, it's the conversations and the discussion that's really important. And, of course, all of that is based on the research So thank you for doing the research and thank you uh, for learning more about why we're doing this kind of stuff. So I I applaud you. Thank you. When when you finish your study on the uh, same-sex couples and these traditions, I'd love to hear about that. I'd love to to have you back on the show to talk about that. So keep me in mind, okay? Will do. Sounds good. All right. And thank you. Thank you for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. Come back again next week. We'll have a whole new topic. And uh, I'm not sure it'll be as much fun as today's, but it'll probably be a very informative one. See you next week. 